Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 192 of the show. You guys, we are loving all of the new reviews that you're leaving for us in Apple Podcasts. As you know, last month we put out a challenge to see if we can hit 500 reviews in Apple Podcasts before the end of April. This April, we are celebrating our four-year anniversary of creating Sorta Awesome just for you. And, you know, we really do believe in the work that we're doing here to bring the message of being an awesome to the world. We know that you guys believe in it too. And one of the best ways to spread the mission and the message of Sorta Awesome is to just tell people about it. A very fast and easy way to do that if you're on an Apple device, whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, if you have a Mac with iTunes on it, just search for Sorta Awesome in the Apple Podcast app, scroll to the review section and leave us a brief review. It does not have to be a whole essay. It can be one sentence that tells the world what you love about Sorta Awesome. So maybe you love that we always put a positive spin on things, or maybe there's an awesome of the week that made your life better. Maybe you love our hangout community, which is truly awesome. Maybe you love that Rebecca and I have a seemingly unending list of things to confess. (laughs) (laughs) We do. (laughs) Always an ongoing list. Whatever it is, just write a short sentence and submit it. And then you are done and done. We need less than 100 reviews to meet our goal of 500 in Apple podcasts in April. So once again, search sort of awesome, leave a brief review, help us have a happy birthday by shouting your love of sort of awesome in Apple podcasts. Hey, awesomes, I have some really exciting news. You can now listen to our entire back catalog completely ad-free exclusively on Stitcher Premium. You guys know we have four years of amazingly awesome episodes in that back catalog. And in addition to our archive, you can also listen to every new episode ad-free as well as tons of other ad-free Wondery shows. Plus, with Stitcher Premium, you'll get access to hundreds of hours of original content, audio documentaries, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of your favorite other podcasts. So you can now sign up for a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and use promo code Wondery. Then once you're signed up, just download the Stitcher app for iOS or Android and start listening. That's stitcherpremium.com slash Wondery and promo code Wondery. Okay, this is episode 192 of Sorta Awesome. I am joined by the ever lovely, the curly haired, fun, frugal friend that we all know and love so much the ever-helpful Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, Meg. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're here. Awesomes, you all may know that a couple of years ago, we sort of accidentally started a tradition of sorts around here that with the episodes that release over Easter weekend, we talk about our spiritual lives. In the past, our co-host Kelly and I have shared some pretty in-depth struggles, as well as new chapters in our lives. 
and in our Christian faith. And today, you guys, for the very first time, Rebecca is going to share her faith story. I am very excited about this, but Rebecca, I think you might be feeling a little bit nervous. I am. Yep. I'm nervous. (laughs) This is going to be so wonderful. And truly, what I do love so much about our awesome community is that we really are all on a journey through life and we're doing the best that we can to kind of keep each other company along the way. So Rebecca, really, truly, thank you for opening up this part of your life and trusting it to us. I know that what you have to share today really is going to speak to so many people. So thank you for trusting it to us. Oh, well, thank you. Okay, well, we're going to get to all of that here in just a few minutes. But first, let's go ahead and start the show in a much less serious way. Let's start the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It's the moment in the show where we share with you all about the books, the TV shows, movies, podcast products, whatever it is that's making life a little bit more awesome for us right now. Rebecca, what do you have for us this week? Well, I am bringing to you a Netflix original comedy special Hmm. by Nate Bargettis. It's entitled The Tennessee Kid. And I heard about this. From John Chris' Instagram stories. (laughs) You you knew I was going to bring up his name, didn't you? I had a feeling. (laughs) When you said it was comedy, I was like, is John Chris somehow, is he a producer of this? I don't know a bigger John Chris fan girl than you, Rebecca. So (laughs) I really do like him. Did I say this on the show? But I went and saw him with my husband. How was it? He came to my area. And the amazing thing is, so here's a little story here. I had mentioned that I would love to go see him as part of our like wish list for our, what was that called? Our holiday gift guide. Yes, the gift guide. We shared our wish list and I said, oh my goodness, I would love tickets to go see John Chris. Well, what do you know? They sold out so fast. We have too many Christians around here. His show (laughs) totally sold out and I was so bummed, but this is the power of podcasting. My mother had listened to the episode. And as soon as she heard me say that I really wanted to go, she bought me tickets and saved them for me and gave them to me for my birthday. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. We had such a good time. I loved it so much. It was so funny. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I do have to say your mom is like the reigning queen of awesome. I mean, do you stop and appreciate how truly awesome that your mother is? Yes, it was fantastic. I was so bummed when it was sold out. I told my husband, I was like, nay, the John Chris show is already sold out. The show was in March and it was sold out in December. Yeah. And his response was like less passionate than what I was expecting, (laughs) than what was called for in that situation. Well, it was because he already knew because my mother is amazing. And she had reached out to him and said, hey, make sure she doesn't buy tickets. You don't have tickets yet, do you? And so he knew that I was getting tickets. So So good. Yes, mom. Thank you so much for all of your love and support and your John Chris tickets. But back to my true awesome of the week. I was, of course, watching John Chris Instagram stories because they are worthy of a watch. I highly recommend them. And he mentioned that a friend of his had this comedy special. And he's like, hey, if you haven't heard of him, you like my comedy, you should really check him out. I think you're going to like him. And so I was like, well, you don't have to tell me twice. Yes, I'm going to go watch. It was so funny. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. So... Nate, he makes like observations about everyday life. Okay, so it's going to be nothing political, nothing edgy, nothing controversial. He's just real deadpan, clean humor. 
His jokes include one about a dead horse, a crazy wedding, losing weight. I mean, there's like nothing in it that is going to make you go, "Mm, I don't know, that one wasn't really funny. Uh, Or I don't think I should be laughing at this. You know, it's none of that. It's totally, totally clean and really funny. I watched it by myself, but was instantly regretting that I was watching it by myself because I thought, oh, I should be watching this with my husband. I should be watching this with Nate. It'd be a good one to have like the whole family there or to have an at-home date night with. It was really hilarious. So again, it's Nate Bargetti's and it's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Super funny. Sounds good. I am all about those little pick-me-ups that just get you laughing, especially the ones, like you said, that you don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, I really shouldn't be laughing at <laughs> Yeah, this. there is no cringiness in this okay. comedy show. It was really, really good. Is it one that you could watch with your kids, do you think? I think like you could. I mean, teenage kids or yes, yeah. teenagers for sure. I mean, some of the jokes might go over their head sure. just because of lack of maturity or life experience. Yeah, yeah. But it's not inappropriate. Okay, very cool. We, we will definitely put a link to that special and some other, maybe Rebecca's John Chris favorite hits. I don't know. We'll, sure, <laughs> we'll definitely we least link to his Instagram in the show notes. So, okay, Rebecca, this week, I actually have been saving this one for the next time you were on Sort of Awesome because my Awesome of the Week this week has to do with our joint journey to coming back to ourselves as curly girls. Oh, yes. Perfect. So Awesomes, you may remember that back in January, Rebecca and I did an extra awesome episode about curly girl, curly girl method, some of the things that we've been trying, experimenting with, some of the challenges that we're trying to overcome really in embracing the naturally curly hair that we were born with, giving up on years and years of blowouts and straighteners and all of those things, and really coming back to our curly roots. So I have two products that are extremely reasonable and probably pretty easy to find for most people that I want to tell you about. And the interesting thing is the person who brought this into my life is my daughter, Daisy who has much straighter hair than I do, but just enough natural wave that when I started getting into curly girl stuff, she was decided she wanted to try it too. It's definitely does not have the tighter curl pattern Mm -hmm. that you would normally think of with curly girl. But I mean, she has like those natural kind of like beachy looking waves. Oh, pretty. I know. Just like by nature. I'm like, you know, people like actually spend a lot of time on their hair to make it look like this with products and tools and stuff. So she found this first product that I want to tell you about. The company is called Cantu, C-A-N-T-U. This is a line of products for natural hair. I mean, we have them at our local Walmart, our Family Dollar, definitely Target. They're not ones that you have to like order from the internet. You can find them in most places. I think if you live in an ethnically diverse place, it's going to be a little bit easier to find some of these products for natural hair. But even if you don't have them in a store close by, you can easily find them as well online. So the company is called Cantu. And the first product that she found is called the Moisturizing Curl Activator Cream. Oh, okay. So this is one of those that you can put on as a product after you've washed your hair when it's still wet. I like to put this on when I'm done showering. I've rinsed out conditioner, all of that. I put this on first before I put my gel in. And what it does is it really just deep moisturizing thing, because as Rebecca and I talked about on our extra awesome about being a curly girl, a huge component to wearing your hair natural and wearing it curly is moisturizing and keeping everything from getting dry because the dryness is what leads to the frizziness and all of that. So this is a 100% pure shea butter formula that goes into your hair 
helps you. I mean, it really does do what the name of it says. It activates your curls and helps you to form those curl clumps that we all want, whether we have wavy hair, curly, coily, whatever. We want to get those clumps in our curls, which is kind of a gross word, but <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it, is. But it makes sense. I know what you're saying. Yeah. So anyway, we both have been loving that curl activator cream. The other one that I just happened to pick up really last week is helping me solve the problem that I told you about, Rebecca, that I think maybe this might be a thing for you too, is what to do with your hair after wash day. So second day hair, third day hair. Refreshing the curls. Refreshing the curls. Exactly. Well, Cantu has a product for that. It's called Comeback Curl Next Day Curl Revitalizer. That's like exactly what I want my hair to do. I know. Comeback curls. Where did you go? Exactly. Now, this is a spray. The other one was a cream that you put on when your hair is wet. This is a spray that you do when your hair is dry and you do want to just go in and refresh your curls after wash day when they kind of maybe have started to get some frizz going. I don't know what this magic ingredient is in this particular spray, but I'm here to tell you both Daisy and I have found that it works. It brings a little bit of extra hold. So, you know, you and I talked about how I had been doing a refresh method where you get your hands wet and you put a little bit of gel in there and you kind of refresh with a little more gel to give it a little bit more hold. Well, this Mm -hmm. just kind of eliminates that part of the process. You can just spray your hair down and do some light scrunching depending on your hair and how much it needs to bounce back. It goes back in and it restores your curls and kind of gives them that little bit of moisture that they need to not get all frizzy and stuff. Now, I have my hair on my head right now because I desperately need a haircut and it's just driving me crazy. But I have been able to use this on second and third day hair. And it really makes it to where I can just keep wearing my curls like that in between washing. How damp are you getting your hair when you spray it? Like, is this a light misting or are you kind of saturating? I think it depends on how much help you need. I do a light spray, but again, I have a tighter curl pattern. Daisy gets hers fairly wet. I mean, she really kind of saturates it back down. She really has to work to get hers to come back. She doesn't have that strong of a wave pattern to hers. So I think it just depends. Yeah. So it just takes some experimentation. Yes, totally. And the great thing about both of these products is they are so cheap. So the curl activator, again, this is local prices for us, but at our local Walmart is like $5.97. And the spray is like $5.79. Again, those are Walmart prices. Your mileage may vary, but these are not like your high end. Oh my gosh, I'm spending so much money on my hair products. These are going to be totally affordable. So fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check out the refreshing one for sure. I'm so excited about this. One of my favorite, favorite resources for curly hair is the curly hair subreddit. And around the same time we started using these, a ton of people just, I don't know, coincidence or whatever, started posting about how much they're loving their Cantu products as well. So I'll put a link in the notes for the curly hair subreddit, as well as for our new favorite Cantu hair products. So those are our awesomes of the week. You know that we love to hear every week what's awesome in your life. We do this on Friday mornings over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. You can find us over there talking about your awesome of the week. And then we also do it in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group where we all get together and share what is so wonderful in life right now. If you haven't joined us in our Hangout group on Facebook, we would love to have you. You can do that by going over to facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Awesome, you know, we do talk about skincare a lot around here. 
The truth is, we are not trying to look 18 again, but looking like we sleep more than seven hours a night and drink eight glasses of water a day would be nice. That's why I'm so excited about skincare solutions from ForHers.com. ForHers.com is the new women's wellness brand that's cutting the cost and delivering you one of dermatologists' go-to solutions for aging skin. With Hers, there's no need to take travel time out of your already busy day. HERS provides access to licensed doctors online. A doctor will evaluate you and if appropriate, they can prescribe you a treatment that can be delivered directly to your door. No in-person dermatologist visit, no pharmacy lines, just a solution that's perfect for your skin. HERS knows that skincare isn't about needing to change something about your face. It's about finally receiving products that help us look our best now. And Awesomes, I'm so excited to tell you that you can get your first month of their anti-aging formula from HERS for $10 off right now while supplies last and subject to doctor approval. You can go check out their website for full details. Go to forhers.com slash awesome. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash awesome. Forhers.com slash awesome. Restrictions apply, so see the website for full details and safety information. All right, Rebecca, I'm really excited. You and I have known each other a long time. We have had literally countless hours of conversation, but I know that you're going to share some things today in really opening up about your faith story and your faith journey that you and I haven't heard before. So as we go through, I just, again, want to say before we get started, thank you for this. I know that faith and both struggles and triumph. It's on the minds of lots of our awesomes right now as we are in the middle of a you know pretty significant season, both for the Christian church and for other faiths as well. So I'm just going to let you go ahead and get started for us. Yeah, well, thank you for allowing me to use our platform here for me to share my story. I do just want to say up front here that this episode will include the topics of pediatric cancer, fertility, and infant loss. And if those topics are particularly painful for you or you're simply not in a good mental place to engage in that conversation, go ahead, turn this off. Our hope is that you'll find encouragement from this episode, but we recognize that this could be difficult to listen to. So let's start first by talking a little bit about my background and how I grew up. So I grew up in a Christian home and I grew up in a Mennonite family, which is something that we've never talked about here on the main show. However, we did do an in-depth look at that, what it means to be Mennonite, all for our superstar supporters. That's right. Yeah. So it was part of our Taboo series. So Meg and Kelly and Laura, they shared taboo conversations about sex and marriage, marriage periods, periods, <laughs> mental health. Yes. And what did I share? I'm Mennonite. What does that mean? <laughs> That's so true. But that was such a good episode. And that really answered a lot of the questions I know I had about the Mennonite faith. So, yes. So if you're curious about that, you know, definitely check out Becoming a Supporter and you can get access to all of our taboo episodes, including the one about me being Mennonite and me clarifying the difference between Mennonites and Amish. Let me just say right here now, I am not Amish. I have electricity in my home. I had it growing up. Yes. <laughs> but also in the episode, just a little teaser here, I talked some about parts of my Mennonite faith that are hard for me to talk about with other people and things that I kind of keep close to my chest because the conversations just 
haven't always gone that well. So that entices you, please do check out being a supporter. Of course, we always have a link for that in the show notes. But all that to be said, you know, I grew up in a Mennonite family. And, you know, I remember my grandmother wore a head covering and she always wore dresses and skirts. She didn't cut her hair. I remember she cut it for the first time close to the end of her life when she was in a nursing home just to, you know, so it was easier to maintain. And I just remember that being a big deal in the family. Can you believe it? Grandma cut her hair. I bet. But that was not the type of conservative lifestyle that I typically grew up with. I don't remember my mother wearing a head covering. She always had short hair my whole life. So she definitely was cutting her hair. I would say I grew up pretty mainstream. I was baptized in middle school. I attended public school all throughout. But then when I went to college, I did attend a private Mennonite college. I went to Eastern Mennonite University. During my childhood and during my college years, I went on several missions trips that really impacted my faith and broadened my worldview. I met my husband at EMU. We got married. We found a church here in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and we started a small group. We go to a fairly large church and a small group was starting for people who were engaged or within like that first year of marriage. And so there was a big group of us that really joined together and partnered with each other and started, you know, living life together. What does it mean to be married? What does it mean to be a parent? What does our faith look like? All of that. And they became really, really some of my best, best friends. And, you know, overall, life was good. You know, life was good until then it wasn't. And there was a couple from that small group whose little boy was diagnosed with cancer. Obviously, that was a really difficult time for them and a difficult time for us as a group as we tried to walk with them in that. For a while, he was doing really well, was in remission, but then his cancer came back. That little boy died when he was five years old. And I remember distinctly the feeling that I had walking down the aisle of our church for his funeral. They had reserved space for us as a group directly behind the family. So the family was in the very front and then us as a group, we walked in together. And I just remember that tightness in my chest walking down the aisle for the funeral. And at the time I was pregnant. Nobody knew it. And it just really felt awful. Here I was saying goodbye to one family's little boy. And I was carrying new life within me. And just the conflict of that, just the juxtaposition of that was so jarring. I mean, the whole experience was obviously, it was a nightmare. It was just one of the most difficult experiences, you know, of my life. And then a few weeks after the funeral, we started to tell our friends and our family about our pregnancy. And in a crazy turn of events, there were five of us from that small group that were pregnant at the same time. Oh my gosh, there was like literally something in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So there was five of us. So the baby started to come. Okay. So in January, we had a little girl that was born. In April, we had two babies that were born, including my second son, Noah. In May, another baby was born. And then in June, when the last baby was due at 35 and a half weeks along, they couldn't find the heartbeat. My friend had a stillbirth that night, and the next morning, I was sitting in my OB's office for my own six-week checkup, and I was numb and broken and thinking, how can this be happening? I was being given the thumbs up, 
you're all good? While my friend was sitting in another hospital weeping over her son's body. At the funeral, my pastor came up to me and I remember asking him, how are we here again? Yeah. How can this be? It wasn't even a year since the first funeral had happened. And all of this tragedy just wrecked me. You know, I tried my best to support my friends in the months and the years after they lost their boys. But I myself was also broken by these tragedies. I was hurt and angry with God. How did he let this happen? Where was he? Why didn't he answer our prayers? And especially with the loss to cancer, we really had been praying intensely for healing in that area because that was, you know, obviously we prayed for healing with the stillbirth too, as soon as we heard that there was a question about the heartbeat, but that was such a shorter period of time where the cancer had been well over a year. Right. And so there was just a lot of outpouring to God and crying out to God within that. Those who are listening, listen to me carefully when I say this. Nothing compares to my friend's loss. Their hurt and their grief and brokenness is beyond imaginable. But when a tragedy strikes, when cancer steals a life, when a car accident happens, when a disaster strikes a community, there are ripples that spread out from the center of that loss. And sometimes those ripples can feel like giant waves crashing over our heads and leaving us feeling like we're drowning. A loss doesn't happen to just one family. It happens to all of us. Yes. It happened to absolutely me. absolutely right. I was broken. I was crying out to God. I was angry and I was also grieving. Not long after this had happened, I was at a blogging conference and there were sponsors there. And one of them had some of their artwork displayed in this, like this cafe area, this like place where you could go and socialize. And there was this large canvas print that they were showing there. And it said in these large block letters, it says, God is good all the time. And I could not stop staring at that canvas print. It made me so mad, to be completely honest. And that's where I was at spiritually. You know, in church, I could sing songs about salvation and Jesus dying for us. And I meant those words of thankfulness. I felt that. Praise God. Oh, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the gift of heaven. Thank you for what you did with Jesus on the cross. But when those songs about changed to be about God's goodness, it was a different story. I doubted and I feared and I wasn't sure I could really trust God. Sure. I mean, I could trust him with some things. Yes, I can trust him with money. I can trust him with my husband's job. He's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. But what about my kids? Can I really trust him with my kids? What if my kids are next? You know, sometimes I would hear people's prayer requests and I would think that they're stupid. And I would say to myself, I'm not praying for that. Okay, you broke your foot. Like, so what? I'm not praying for your foot. Like, I just know that's dumb. <laughs> or I would hear people giving credit to God answering their prayers for all the good things that were happening in their life. Things like, you know, a positive test result coming back medically. And somebody is saying, oh, you know, that's just the power of prayer. You know, we prayed for that and God heard our prayers. Ah, oh, that is just the power of prayer. And this little inner voice would whisper to me, 
Well, sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you pray. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is no. So honestly, what I would want to say to people in those times was mm, maybe back off a little bit with how much you're singing the praises of your prayer. Because I certainly prayed. I prayed hard. Yeah. And the answer was no. So that was hard. <laughs> it was a really difficult, difficult time, obviously. But slowly, I started healing. And I would say that there is no one magic pill. Instead, it was a lot of things. And so I just have a few things that I'm going to share with you guys today of some of the things that just helped me. Starting with this, I was at the beach on vacation with my kids and my husband. <laughs> he was there too. And it was like the first day that we went to the beach. Okay. I had my two kids. I had my little girl. I had my little boy. We were there the first day. I had packed for them. They each had one bucket and one shovel. We were keeping things minimalistic on the beach. <laughs> and one of the shovels goes missing. And it was like the better of the two shovels. I mean, does that <laughs> yes, make sense? Of course. Yeah. And of course, it's always the good one yeah, that goes it missing. It was the good yeah. shovel. And I was so mad about it. I mean, okay, I can be a little bit dramatic. I don't know that I was like, I wasn't going crazy, but I was really kind of bothered by it because I was thinking, okay, it's the first day of vacation. We have like the whole rest of the week. How are we going to do this? Two kids, one shovel. And I was praying, you know, okay. So I think it's important to notice during all of this, like, you know, I still was going to church. I still was, you know, listening to worship music. I still was attending like my mom's Bible study group. I hadn't turned away from God. I just was mad at God. Sure. Yeah. So here I was and I was praying for the shovel, you know, even though sometimes, you know, I didn't want to pray for a broken foot, but here I was, I was, you know, always a contradiction. That's kind of the story of my life. But I was praying for the shovel and I was just so upset that we had lost the shovel. And I was like, God, please, will you just help me find this missing shovel? And what do you know, within like a minute, seconds of saying that prayer, I turn around and there, like up in the waves, I like see the shovel like being pushed up onto the shore. And it meant so much to me. Yeah. Like the cynical part of me in that moment could have chosen to be like, oh, sure, you answer a prayer about the shovel. Like right. that doesn't really matter. I could have gone to any store on the boardwalk and bought another shovel. Like who cares about the shovel? But for some reason, that cynical side of me was pushed down by just gratitude and thankfulness. And instead, I felt like I was hearing God say to me, hey, I'm still listening. Yes. I'm still here. Your prayers matter. What you ask of me matters. And I have goodness for you. Here, here, it's the shovel. You asked for it and I'm gladly giving it back to you. I know it was just a simple shovel. But it really did feel like God telling me that he was there. Yeah. That he was listening. Sometimes those moments come along where out of the blue, <laughs> truly, when you don't even expect something to happen for there to be an answer or a sign or a grace in a moment. And it's just like when it happens for me, it's like you feel like, oh, he really does see me. He yeah. really does there's still this connection there, even though it may be in the midst of or after years of being angry or confused or turning away completely. I love that those little moments come along that are just like, 
And you know, like when you're saying it's just a shovel, but like, you know, in that moment, it wasn't just a shovel. It was so much bigger than the shovel. Yes. Another story, something that helped me kind of turn the corner away from that anger and away from that distrust that I was experiencing is I was at a mom's group for my church and a woman from the church came and she gave her testimony. She gave her story. She was a mom who battled cancer. And ultimately, she was healed from cancer, but that wasn't even hardly the point. As I remembered it, sitting there listening, instead, what she was sharing is she was talking so much about all of the ways that she saw God moving in her life and comforting her and taking care of her while she was walking this terrible, dark path of cancer. Yeah. And for me to be sitting there like, you know, on that side of things, it was just what I needed at that moment to say, okay, bad things happen, but that doesn't mean that we're alone while the bad things happen. Where is God? How can I be looking for God despite the bad things that are happening? That meant a lot to me. I also did a lot of prayer. I did a lot of crying out to God during the worship time, especially during my church. I don't know why worship time always is a time of good connection for me. My husband and I did more of an intense Bible study. I don't even know if you really call it Bible study. It it might be a national program. It's called Cleansing Stream. Okay. And I think it was 10 or 12 week session of coming together. And there was like a teaching time. And then we broke down into small groups And we talked more intimately in the groups about the things that we were talking about. And then it ended with like a whole day of intense prayer. And they focused a lot on kind of, I don't want to talk like all in Christianese type of terminology, but I'm not quite sure how else to say it. Like breaking off junk, you Mm -hmm. know, things that you're holding on to in your life. For some people, it might have been like addiction or an abusive relationship, manipulative relationship some sort of trauma in their life, countless things. And my husband and I went through this program. I foolishly was thinking, well, this is going to be good for me, but I want to be supportive of my husband. So like, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Girl, I have been there uh, many a time in those moments in life. So yes, I totally get it. (laughs) Oh, wait, maybe there's something for me here too. And That was a good time for me to really kind of look deeper into breaking off just some of that anger and some of that doubt that I was experiencing. And then there were certainly some sermons that really spoke to me. So my church used to, well, I guess they still do, but would provide a CD, an audio version of the sermons that you could take home. I mean, this was before they did any sort of like online streaming or being able to listen to the sermon later on your smartphone or something like that. And there were a couple sermons that I kept because they really spoke to me. And I re-listened to them in preparation for this. Mm -hmm. It was hard to listen to. It really, really took me back to all the emotions of that time. But the one in particular that I had saved. And just to kind of give some context as to even more context as to what was going on, our church had a lot of loss and young loss during that time period. So there's the two that I talked about 
but there were other cases of infant loss. There was a young boy who got sick, just like a bad fever. I don't know all the details, but like an elementary age boy who passed away. There was just the heaviness mm-hmm. yeah. that a lot of us were feeling. And in this sermon in particular, the pastor said, you know, I know that some of you are fearful. You know, what if it's your child next? And what's happening here? Are we having a higher number of deaths than like almost like are we cursed? Like, is there something going on with this church? Right. This isn't really the most important part. But he said that in talking to other pastors, this church of our size is just going to experience some loss. But it wasn't anything necessarily abnormal. But the point is that even one loss is one too many. One child death is one too many. So this sermon was kind of just all about how do we deal with these things and how can we explain these tragedies? And so some of my takeaways from the sermon was that, you know, ultimately it's not that the devil snuck one past God and he won this time, right? You know, maybe we can hope for better next time. Also, it's not that this is God's will for this to happen, but it's the fact that we live in just a fallen and broken world, a world that is full of sin and darkness and pain. And we're all going to be touched by that on some level. You know, there's going to be illness. That wasn't God's desire for this world initially. When he created the world, it was a peaceful, wonderful, beautiful place with no sickness and no death. But then sin crept in. And so now we have wars and we have famines and we have sickness and it's just going to happen. Yeah. And there's a difference then between God's will. This is not God's will for us. There's a difference between God's will and what God allows to happen. But in everything that God allows, there's a redemptive purpose. And in the moment, we probably can't see that. And we're asking, how can any of this be of good? And I even remember one of my friends who experienced a loss her saying to me, I don't care what the good is. I just want my boy back. I don't care if this has some goodness to it. I understand that. And honestly, like, you know, I feel the same way. But I think the point more is that some goodness can come out of it. It didn't have to happen in order for there to be some goodness in the world, but that God will redeem our pain and he will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good he will not allow any pain to be wasted in our lives so another sermon really talked about taking all of that and understanding all of that and that being a fight to actually believe it and that believing in god's goodness can sometimes feel like a fight of your faith And that spoke to me so much. God is good and he's good all the time. This does not feel good, but I am going to fight now to make this conscious choice to believe in the goodness of God, even when I have not seen any of the goodness of God. So all of those things together, you know, the intense counseling Bible series, prayer, hearing from other people who had experienced tragedy, It really did help me start to realize that I could make more of a conscious decision to choose to believe in things despite not understanding them. So all of this was really affecting my life in how I was thinking about my family size. My husband really wanted to try for a third baby, and I was just terrified because 
that was potentially opening myself up to loss, stillbirth, miscarriage, whatnot. And it was really, really hard for me to come to the decision to agree with my husband to move forward and trying for another baby. I remember that. I remember you going through that struggle. And even though at the time, I certainly didn't know all of this backstory of what you had experienced in your community. I remember thinking that there was something deeper beneath the surface of your struggle than just like, oh, do we want to have a third baby or not? Like, do we want to end up with three kids? That there was more conflict than just the sort of usual question of, should we have another baby? So yeah, this definitely in the context of everything that you had been suffering in your community really adds depth to that time in your life. Yeah. And I can tend to be kind of a fearful person. I don't know if this is my Enneagram six, but I think through worst case scenario things. I saw us trying for another baby as opening the door to the possibilities of heartbreak and grief all over again. And it just felt stupid. (laughs) Like, Like, why would I do that? But we did. We did. So we tried for another baby. And we got pregnant and I was not excited. And I told one of my good friends and immediately burst into tears telling her. And she's like, oh, why are you crying? I'm like, because I'm just scared. I'm just scared of what could happen. I remember not wanting to tell our families because I knew that they were going to be just overflowing with excitement. And I just wasn't, I just wasn't excited. I was just scared. And ultimately, we ended up losing that baby. And that was, that was hard. Obviously, that was hard. Not really much more to say about that. It's just, it was hard. But I will say that I am so thankful for all of the years of work that I was doing within my faith leading up to that point, because I truly learned a lot about myself and about God and about fighting for that faith. And during that time of loss, I was able to immediately turn to not that this was something that God did to me, but instead God was weeping with me and that this was not the best life that God had planned for me. I remember very distinctly an older family member saying to me the first time that she saw me after the loss, she had been told about it. And she said to me, the great physician has intervened and we can trust his judgment. And I responded so strongly to that. I didn't say anything to her. I just simply stood up and walked out of the room, excused myself. And then I just closed myself off in a bedroom and just weeped. And I just said, no, like, I can't think of it that way. I can't allow myself to go back to that kind of thinking that this was something that God did. And that would imply to me that God took my baby and I just need to trust him. Well, yeah, I mean, we should trust God, but it's different. It's just that level of thinking just wasn't helpful to me at all. So it was a few months after we had that loss. and. You know, my husband and I were starting that debate of, do we want to try again? It wasn't necessarily a yes. It wasn't necessarily a no. It felt very open-ended and I wasn't sure I could do it again, but I was at church one Sunday and for some reason, my children weren't there and my husband wasn't there. I don't know why I was there by myself. Maybe somebody was sick. I don't know. But afterwards, we always have 
some people who are willing to pray for you up front after the service is done. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go up front and I'm going to ask for prayer for this just because I just need some peace. I just need some clarity and I need some peace. And I explained the situation to the woman who was praying with me. And I said, you know, we experienced a loss. I'm not sure how we should move forward. I don't necessarily feel comfortable trying again, but I don't feel comfortable not. I'm just not sure what we should be doing. I just need some peace and I need some clarity. She very distinctly prayed life over me and in me. And I remember feeling like, well, I don't know that that's necessarily where we're going to go. I don't know if that's the plan. <laughs> I just felt very much like she was a uh, team pregnancy. You know what I mean? And she was totally praying that way. <laughs> yes. We just breathe life into Rebecca. I was like, well, but do we? <laughs> you were like, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm wait. looking for clarity. This is pretty strong one way. I just don't know. But it meant a lot to me. And after the prayer was over, she told me that she had a vision of me running through a field, a green field with blue skies. And I just was carefree. And I thought, oh, gosh, like, I could use some of that. I'll take that. Whatever that means, I'll take that. Meg, I was pregnant and I didn't know it yet. That is amazing. So it was just, I don't know, like a week or so later, we realized that I was pregnant and her prayer made so much more sense. Yes. <laughs> and I clung on to that vision all throughout my pregnancy with Isaac because the fear was still there and I was still terrified, still really concerned as to how this pregnancy was going to turn out. And I just kept remembering I can be that carefree woman running through a field yes. that God wants that for me. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that we didn't have to even make that clear cut decision. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was already happening. <laughs> yes. I mean, Isaac is like technically a surprise, but also technically planned for. Like, I don't know like what you say he is, but I'm just so thankful that the heartbreak of even just the decision making was spared for us that time. Yes, definitely. That is such a grace for sure. So. I would say that like in conclusion of all of this and like where I'm at now is that God is good all the time. The world is dark and it is a broken place. Bad things will happen, but God will redeem those things. I don't understand it. It hurts, but this is a choice that I am making to believe in God's goodness. And it's a fight that I'm still fighting. There are still times when that little voice whispers to me, well, but you prayed really hard before. And it's a conscious decision that I have to make that I'm going to believe in the goodness of God, even when I don't understand the goodness of God. Well, you brought a whole <laughs> word today. I was not prepared. <laughs> 
Awesomes, when it's time to make a hire for your small business, naturally you want to find the most awesome person for the job. Odds are that that person is on LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard skills and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. People come to LinkedIn every day to learn and advance their careers, so LinkedIn understands what they're interested in and what they're looking for. Which means when you use LinkedIn Jobs to hire someone, your matches are based on so much more than a resume. Your LinkedIn Jobs matches are based on skills and background, sure, but also interests, activities, and passions. Matching lets you quickly get a group of the most relevant, qualified candidates for your role. That way you can focus on the candidates you want to spend time talking to and make a quality hire you are excited about. Customers rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivery delivering quality hires. So Awesomes, you can post a job today at linkedin.com slash awesome and get $50 off of your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash awesome. Terms and conditions do apply. Awesomes, it's spring. Our hibernation time is over. Everyone's out and getting ready for summer. Well, here's a better choice for your summer that'll actually get you ready for those sweaty days ahead. Aluminum-free coconut deodorant from Kapari. Kapari's coconut deodorant is a cleaner alternative to traditional deodorants. It's aluminum-free, vegan, and does not contain silicone sulfates, parabens, GMOs, or baking soda. Instead, this deodorant keeps you fresh with plant-based actives like sage oil and coconut oil. It's great if you've got sensitive skin, if you're looking for a deodorant with a scent that's not overpowering, or if you just don't want a bunch of questionable ingredients on your body. I've tried lots of natural deodorants through the years, and Kapari is the only one that has stood up to sticky summer heat. I love that Kapari's coconut deodorant goes on smooth and does not leave behind a sticky white residue. The original scent smells like sweet coconut milk, but there's also a fragrance-free version and two new scents, beach and gardenia. There's nothing like that beach scent to get you in the mood for summer. And the best part is you never have to worry about running out of deodorant because Kapari offers a subscription. You can get it automatically shipped to you as often as you choose for free. Trust me, even if natural deodorants haven't worked for you in the past, you have to give Kapari a try. With the money back guarantee, there's no reason not to. So, awesomes! Go to kaparibeauty.com slash awesome to save $5 off of your first deodorant order when you subscribe. That's kapari, K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash awesome, kaparibeauty.com slash awesome. But Rebecca, this is so powerful. And like I said, I mean, I knew that whatever you shared was going to speak to people, but I think the reach of what you've been through that's so universal, this thing of suffering and loss and questioning and anger. And then being able to also come to a place of understanding of like reframing and understanding things in a new way that involves redemption and revolves surrender in some ways. I think that's also pretty universal too. So there's a lot here. Well, thank you. And I want to just be clear here that I don't feel like my story is tied up in a bow. And I don't feel like the redeeming end to my story is the fact that I now have a healthy little baby at the end of this. I really felt like even in my loss, even in the miscarriage, I had still already gained a better understanding and was thankful for that new understanding, even in that loss. And ultimately, 
what I really want people to hear behind all of this. Yes, of course, the goodness of God, but also just to say that if there has been a tragedy in your community, whatever that community looks like, your hurt and your anger and your doubt and your pain and your grief, it matters and it's valid. Even if the tragedy didn't happen directly to you or directly to somebody in your immediate family, tragedies happen to communities. And I am so sorry, so very sorry. I do have some resources that you guys might be interested in if you want to hear more. So the woman whose story was shared at my mom's group about being able to find moments of God's goodness and faithfulness during her battle with cancer. I actually have two resources for you. She wrote up like a little pamphlet. It's just several pages, but she's willing to share that with the awesomes. There's no charge for it at all, but you can read it and you can see what she went through in her journey and different areas and ways that God was moving in that fight with cancer. She also did a podcast episode. So if you would rather listen to an audio version of that story, it's not quite as in-depth as the booklet. But if you would like to listen to that, we'll have that in the show notes as well. And then as I've mentioned before, worship times and psalms have been an amazing way for me to connect with God and, you know, declare things, even maybe before I truly am fully believing them, but just clinging on to some of these truths and beliefs. Worship time has just been really powerful for me for that. So I actually created a Spotify playlist and I have called it the fight for faith. And in that, I put some psalms that have meant a lot to me on this journey, as well as some psalms from some of my friends who've experienced tragedies in their lives. I reached out to some other people to see if they had anything meaningful to share. And I've included some of their psalms in that as well. So if you want that playlist, that will also be in the show notes. Thank you for doing that. That's so, so helpful. Before we wrap up, as you were talking, I thought of a quote from Flannery O'Connor, who was a prolific fiction writer, short stories and novels. When she was alive, she was a very deeply devout Catholic, but the majority of her material that she wrote that was fiction is maybe not what you would consider like Christian material. Her stories always involve violence and bad people doing bad things, but she was a master at weaving in the bigger, like the struggle for humanity and the spiritual struggle into her stories. Some of you all probably read Flannery O'Connor back in college and maybe haven't read her since, but even more than her short stories and novels, I think that something that's so telling about her life is there's a collection of her letters called The Habit of Being, Letters of Flannery O'Connor. And, you know, when we're just talking to our friends like this, I think this is when we really convey how we're really processing life and more so than maybe like what our public work is. And so I think the letters are so good. So she has, this passage came to mind. It's a pretty well-known quote from one of her letters, but I wanted to share it. It's just a short passage, but she's kind of talking about that struggle of doubt. And I think you touched on this of when tragedy strikes or whatever the circumstances, sometimes tragedy doesn't even have to strike at all. You can actually have the opposite and be like, everything's going so great in life. Why am I struggling so much to believe in something in my spiritual life? Why is this so hard? And of course, that's a whole spectrum. 
and I talked about, and Kelly has talked about in her sharing in the times that she's shared parts of her story, the sort of like torture of doubt. Some people come to a place where they maybe are like, okay, I'm done with this part of my life. I'm walking away and they move towards something else that brings fulfillment in their spiritual life. But for a lot of us being struck in this struggle of doubt is so hard. So anyway, I wanted to share this quote before we wrap up from Flannery O'Connor. She says, I think there is no suffering greater than what is caused by the doubts of those who want to believe. I know what torment this is, but I can only see it in myself anyway, as the process by which faith is deepened. A faith that just accepts is a child's faith and all right for children, but eventually you have to grow religiously as every other way, though some never do. What people don't realize is how much religion costs. They think faith is a big electric blanket when, of course, it is the cross. It is much harder to believe than not to believe. If you feel you can't believe, you must at least do this. Keep an open mind. Keep it open toward faith. Keep wanting it. Keep asking for it and leave the rest to God. So that passage came to mind as something like just so affirming that all of us, this is so universal to the whole human experience, these doubts and the suffering that it causes. So, well, I'm in tears. That's really perfect. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. All right. Well, this has been a pretty intense episode. But again, <laughs> we just like have set ourselves up that this is <laughs> this is how we do Easter week. <laughs> Great. What a way to celebrate. Can't wait for next year. <laughs> if people want to reach out and talk about what you shared today, Rebecca, which I feel confident they will want to give us a quick reminder of where we can find you all around the web. Well, of course, you can always find me at my blog, simplyrebecca.com. I'm active in the Hangout group and would love to find you in there, as well as on all forms of social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Simply Rebecca. Thank you, ma'am. We really do look forward to hearing your thoughts because in creating this sort of tradition for ourselves to talk about faith matters, there always is such deep, powerful conversation and follow up to these episodes. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you all. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. Once again, we're on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy Easter weekend or whatever you're celebrating right now. And we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.